Hello everybody and welcome to episode 78 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and once again, back alongside me, as always, is Chris Vint. Hello. That was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? That was a bit of a weird one. I liked it though. It just makes it sound like I'm your companion. Companionings? For once a better word. But I would like to don the accolade of being uh, Jimmy um, from the Second Doctor. What? Um, so you wear a skirt? I wear a kilt. Skirt. Oh well, whatever. Then. But I'll be everybody. For this episode. Yeah. Everybody, we finally made it. It is episode eleven of eleven, dedicated to the eleven men who have officially been the Doctor, which means it's. Matt Smith's time for discussion. Yay! Yay. Clapping and jeering and cue background noise, which I'm not going to put in. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> but what have we decided to discuss in regards to Matt Smith? Well, we thought... The 11th hour, because this is his first um, arrival. No. We decided the to Doctor's go- Wife, because it harks back to the 10th Doctor's interior TARDIS. No, not that the either. Curse of the Black... Pearl, which is a part of the Caribbean ripoff. <laughs> no. Christmas Carol, which is another ripoff. Can I talk? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe with Bill Bailey. <laughs> For thirty seconds. It was terrible. Can, can can I go now? You go now. Can I go now? Uh, yeah. You're hundred percent sure. I'm hundred percent sure. <laughs> I'm testing you. Okay. <laughs> this is general knowledge. No, this isn't Mastermind or anything like that. But the episode that we decided to discuss is the last episode, which is the name of the Doctor. We thought John Smith. No, we thought it only logical. (laughs) Please calm yourself, dear. Um, We thought it only logical to do this episode. Yes, there's other episodes that we no doubt would have enjoyed uh, covering. Like, as Chris mentioned, a couple there. Um, you know the doctor's wife etc like that but we simply thought that because our next episode um, bar any amazing crazy things that happen um, the next episode is going to be our actual episode dedicated to the 50th anniversary where we're going to have a number of different people on the show yes a number of different people our companions on the show to just discuss various different things in regards to Doctor Who and see just how excited they are in fact about the 50th anniversary. Ask them some really really tough questions like what flavour ice cream they like the best? And uh, have they tried fish fingers and custard? What is their favourite colour of jelly baby? Mm, mine's the red one. Alright. I like, I like strawberries. Yellow. I like the yellow one. There we go. Well, we've just spoiled our answers oh, there, haven't no. we? But uh, let's get cracking with the knacking. Oh, um, as uh, a famous uh, tune boy said. Um, but <laughs> um, right, name of the doctor starts off. We're in 1893. The Paternoster gang are here again. Madame Vastra, Jenny, and Commander Strax. I don't know why I'm talking like this. <laughs> I think it's because he ends up in Glasgow. But anyway, we'll get to that in a second. But we see that Madame Vastra has um, went to sort of this sort of insane jail and stuff like that and is talking to this individual in his cell 
and uh, you know he's giving this sort of the warnings and you know the f general foreboding sort of stuff that uh, you expect at this sort of stage of Doctor Who when it involves uh, Stephen Moffat. But uh, Madame Vaster deems a conference call is necessary between the Doctor's nearest and dearest. So this results in a sort of um, across space and time uh, sort of dream conference call set up. Um, how this goes about is that they have to like, go unconscious. Madame Vastra explains it as that um, something along the lines like if you're in a dream state you can you know cross you know times and stuff like that. So Clara like receives a letter and a candle saying you know light this candle and I'll send you off to sleep and knowing that Clara would probably not be inclined to want to light this random candle that is you know over a hundred and something odd years old she notes at the very end of the letter oh don't worry I've put the same sort of drug in the lining of the paper and let's just say Clara takes quite the sort of fall it's quite a sort of I'm not going to go sort of um, only fools and horses esque where he falls <laughs> through the bar sort of thing, but it was just one of those sort of non-reactive falls. You yeah. didn't, she didn't look where she was going, sort of. Just like stiff just, as a poker, just the way she goes. Yep, yep, timber as they say. But we get into this conference call. And we see Faster's there and Jenny's there. Strax is there after um, being away, and I think it was it was like his weekend off or oh, something. Wasn't it? He was up he in kept, Glasgow. He kept getting asked to be hit in the head by the shovel. It's and each, it wasn't it's doing any good. Yeah, he was having. Uh, he said, "You may have to try a few times." But he was in Glasgow, and <laughs> I think what was it? Faster says I'm along the lines of, "Oh, we should have never never let him find out about that place." <sighs> As in Glasgow is the sort of place that suits Strax because of fighting and stuff like that. But uh, he's having this sort of brawl with this big Scottish fella and a young child arrives and says there's a message for you, you need to go to this conference call and Strax gives the guy the shovel and says whack me over the head. Um, <coughs> but we get into the conference call, everybody's there and uh, Clara arrives and then the last person to arrive is, River. no great surprise, is River. And uh, Strax again comes out with some of his funniest lines. Um, Strax always provides a bit of humour in my opinion, I, I do enjoy the character of Strax um, people have complained saying that he's kind of you know, undermined the <coughs> you know, the uh, Santarans in a way, but you know, it, it, you know, it doesn't bother me at all but uh, he makes a few comments in, you know, about River's hair and stuff like that and saying you know, doing the whole typical um, confusion over what sex that River is, you know, is she a woman is she a man all that sort of stuff. God, I think he's the only one that can make that mistake. <laughs> I know. But uh, nonetheless, um, while this is all uh, going on, um, the Whisper Man. Yes, you can whisper away there. <laughs> what are you at? But uh, seriously? <laughs> are you seriously just going to whisper it's, in my ear? It's, so, it's, so, it's so putting you off. It's funny. Oh dear. But uh, nonetheless, seriously, dude. <laughs> seriously. But. Ooh, you're, somebody's got Tetchy. I'm going to kill him, everybody. <laughs> I should have killed him while I got the chance. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we see the whole stuff's going to go on here in regards to the doctor. <coughs> that, uh, you know, it's a secret he will take to the grave, it is discovered, all that sort of stuff. But um, we see um, 
the group gets attacked, isn't it? Isn't it? Jenny gets like you know there, and she's like, I think I've been killed. Yeah, sort of stuff. And then um, Vassar's like, wake up, and then Clara awakens in modern day London and uh, finds the doctor has. Is that whenever the doctor's playing hide and seek with the kids? And yeah, they want to go to the cinema and went like, uh, like he's like, I told them no that yeah. the, it, it would not occur, and uh, she says, so they suggested blindsman buff. And he says yes, and she takes the blindfold off him and goes, "Yeah, they're at the cinema." Yeah, and he's like, "Those little Daleks," <coughs> which I thought was kind of, it was kind of a coolly jokey way to go about it. But um, I thought this just that we the wee bit after that scene where you know the doctor kind of senses something's up with Clara uh-huh. that she has something to tell him. And she's like, you know, I'll get the kettle on. And, you know, the doctor sits down. And this, for me, is a really sort of defining scene here in our final run-in as Matt Smith as the doctor. Because the doctor completely and truly breaks down here. He completely goes emotional. And because, you know, we've had it built up that Translore is the fall of the 11th, you know, he's like, you know, you're 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 sure it was Trenzalore and stuff like that. So the uh Doctor and Clara eventually they go to the TARDIS and uh, he tries to take it to Trenzalore. Mm-hmm. But uh, as has kind of been built up as well with the fact that the TARDIS is almost as in control of where the doctor goes as the doctor as in, you know, what was the saying he mightn't always go where he wants to, but the TARDIS will take him where he needs to be. Yeah, because in the Doctor's Wife it says, like, I, you never let me go where I want to go, and I, but I always take you where you need to go. Yes, exactly. Um, we see the TARDIS kind of resists him, and we see when he opens the front doors of the TARDIS that the TARDIS has stopped them, like, in kind of orbit above the planet, and he... You know, uses a sonic stru- screwdriver for one of its many different amazing uses that it now has in comparison to the past and basically I think he turns off the anti-grav or something like that which causes the TARDIS to plummet to the planet's surface and crash land effectively and um, it's a little thing but I think is kind of a nice touch is that when you know we see Matt Smith's doctor come out of the TARDIS and he you know, the camera's focusing down on him. Mm-hmm. And we see him turn around and look at the window pane on the TARDIS and it's got a crack on it. And then he goes up and he, you know, he checks it and he's kind of like, you know, he kind of has that face on him, like, I've damaged it, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, like something's up. You know, he's not, you know, he's not kind of best pleased with himself. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he sees that it's a graveyard and cars there and, you know, they look up and there's this huge, ginormous... TARDIS, you know the the TARDIS, the police box, yeah, is there, and she's like, "That's a big gravestone." You know, that's a big gravestone. And he's saying, "You know, that's not a gravestone. That's the TARDIS." Yeah, and he goes in to explain that when a TARDIS is dying, sort of, there's kind of we get there's this sort of a nearly kind of like a wibbly wobbly explanation here, in that when a TARDIS is dying, the insides like leak out, and the outside becomes larger so you know the TARDIS being small can no longer hold 
the massiveness that is inside it. Mm-hmm. So it just starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, which is why and then the TARDIS is as it is. He says, like, what a, what a better tombstone or what a better gravestone than my I, TARDIS. You know, where else were they going to bury me? Yeah. So, you know, something along those lines. But um, we see that River, make, you know, River appears just out of the blue. Yes, and, and talking to Clara and says that you know he can't he, he can't see he, me. Right. We're still Sadly, you know connected we're, we're via the conference call. Effectively, conference call. Yeah, I didn't uh, hang up. But um, um, she kind of relays information to Clara. Yeah, and Clara relays the information to the doctor, and the doctor looks around and sees that there's a grave that has River Song's name on it, and at this stage the Whisper Men make an appearance, and they're you know sort of that sort of backed into your corner thing. And River kind of says to Clara, she says, you know, what if it's a secret entrance? And Clara repeats it, and yeah, the doctor goes, of course, entrance. what other way, you know, to get in, you know? Yeah. So, and all that sort of stuff. But um, we move on from that, and uh, we see that um, not only are uh, the Whisper Men also still floating about, but not only the Doctor and all is there, but we see the you know the Paternoster gang are there as well Vastra and Strax and Jenny and they all kind of get sort of cornered because Strax has managed to bring Jenny back to life yeah you know and he's like oh just a simple you know like cardiac thing you know he's like you know humans are so simple mm-hmm. sort of thing but this is where we see the you know the return of Richard E. Grant as the great intelligence and it turns out, like, you know, the Great Intelligence has assumed Richard E. Grant as his form now. And the Whispermen are kind of like his blank dummies. Because Richard E. Grant effectively just kind of rips his face apart and shows that the Great Intelligence isn't something in particular. It's kind of just like an aura. Mm-hmm. And one of the Whispermen transforms back into Richard E. Grant. But um, we basically get to the point of he threatens to kill the doctor's friends and we get kind of another funny Strax moment here because Strax's heart's getting grabbed by one of the whisper men and he's like I think I've got them on the run sir <laughs> yes yeah and uh, you know, Richard E. Grant's like open your grave you know say the magic words to open your tomb or they will die doctor and the doctor's like I don't know I don't know and then you just hear and the door opens and again we see that it's River who is indeed responsible for this mm-hmm. and um, it's a case of it is the name of the doctor and that was your tease because the only person that we know at this moment in time that knows the doctor's name is in River. fact River Yep. so what were you thinking of the episode sort of up until this point was it doing anything for you was there anything else that you were wanting to see at this point I find so obviously from this point on it kind of takes a wee bit of a dramatic turn in things yeah I find that you know some of Moffat's writing can be very good but I think that some of it is very um, cryptic almost you know like some of it is very you know you need to know this part to understand that part and sometimes watching the episode gives you more questions than answers you know like it should be a case of you watch an episode and you go right okay I know about that whereas leading up to this you kind of like right well um, she she hears she says the name but if she's 
mentally linked to Clara then does Clara not know the doctor's name if she said it will she not have heard that then because they're both linked it's that's maybe something to look into if you're looking into it a bit in depth but I can't you know I can't see your point in regards to that but whether it's a case of she's only psychically linked to Clara when she wants Clara to know that's the only thing I can think of in that River's kind of shown to us the viewer as a she's there but she may not yeah have made herself known mm-hmm. to Clara because there's there's no inclination from Clara going oh Rivers saved the day in that aspect but nonetheless and this is the this, there's only one sort of part of this episode that kind of grinded me ever so much and it's the fact that we enter the TARDIS and I can understand why it is because of they literally just invested in a brand new TARDIS set for this series but this is meant to be where the Doctor's tomb is this is meant to be where his final resting place is yet the TARDIS's console is the Matt Smith TARDIS console you know mm. the, the desktop setting as it has been called yeah. you know in my opinion at the, at the end of the day that can be explained away by you know the whole fact that the TARDIS is dead and it could be just a case of it recognises that it's the Matt Smith doctors there or something like that it's, you know it's like whenever it's like whenever in the doc, again in the doctor's wife whenever the TARDIS lands and says that it's, it's it stores soul, the room its soul has been mm-hmm. you know taken out so I don't understand I can see wh- where you're coming from whether they even just had made that just like a blank room and just went the TARDIS has lost all its essence it's dead it doesn't have yeah. this now it's just basically because it's getting because it's getting smaller on the inside it's had to you know like take stuff out like the console and everything like that and made it bigger so it's just like it's almost like it's absorbing itself and just taking mm-hmm. all the stuff with it so I can understand where you're yeah. coming from in that aspect but uh, nonetheless the great intelligence decides to uh, enter uh, where the console used to be is sort of this sort of kind of like swirling sort of streams of light uh, and it is reference to the fact that there is no body left behind when a time dies it's kind of like Almost what does it like explain? It's like a rip in time. I was going to say it almost looks like a DNA effect. You know the mm-hmm. way you see like all these. Yeah, it's kind of like the different paths it's, it's that like the Doctor has taken across like their, history. It's like, like their timeline. So mm-hmm. if you think of it, it's like a a sliding doors effect. You know, like mm-hmm. um, that has all the decisions he's made and everything like that. So that's Future like and past. that's like his history. Yeah, is there so giant timeline? So the Great Intelligence decides that. You know he's going to win the day and beat the doctor by entering his time stream and killing the doctor before he even met the doctor you know in uh, the snowman so he enters the time stream and we see this sort of you know flashbacks to what we'd seen right at the very beginning of the episode where we'd seen kind of Clara scattered across the different you know regenerations of the doctor we see that the great intelligence is kind of in her place huh. because we see him standing at the side of the road when John Pertwee's third doctor drives past we see him at uh, you know the back of the corridor when Baker's walking around all those sort of things yeah, so it's just basically history being undone like, yeah. so you see Jenny is then dead and then Strax starts acting like a Suntaran because the doctor never met him yeah, the so, no- doctor never affected him. The doctor yeah. never molded him into a nicer individual. Yeah. 
and uh, Vastra is eventually you know has to kill Strax effectively she like disintegrates him but um, you know then it all starts sort of clicking into place you know the doctor's kind of there convulsing you know because he's dying 11 different times across space and time and Clara realises that you know she's been having these sort of wee flashes to back to the journey to the centre of the TARDIS where she'd forgot about that actual story because the doctor had you know made her forget about it where he'd previously said you know i've met you before you know i've met you twice and you've died both times Mm -hmm. you know how is this possible then that's why it all starts to click it's impossible yeah it clicks to her that oh right this is why because i meant to do this you know it's not she harks back to the thing about what her mum says it's not the ingredients that make the souffle or something like that you know mm. it's some sort of reference to the souffle and then Clara decides she enters the time stream and that's where she split across space and time and again we jump back to the start of the episode where we see a slightly different start to the first Doctor segment in that in the first Doctor segment at the start of the episode we just saw him um, you know entering the TARDIS and Clara being there Yeah, but in this sort of slightly different version we see her say oh no doctor you don't want to take that TARDIS you want to take this one it's much yeah, better you it's know it's much more fun the, the, was it like the circuits off yeah, or something like that but much more, you'll have much more fun with yeah it. so I think that's, I thought that was a nice touch in the sense of it like Clara's effectively responsible for the doctor and the TARDIS being the, yeah. you know the kind of partnership that yeah. they are and uh, we see she's once again across all the different thing you know the regenerations and the doctor kind of you know, springs back into life. We have this sort of wee touching moment between him and River where he says, you know, I've always seen you, I know always known you've been there. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff because she goes to like slap him at one yeah, point and he, he catches her arm. Yeah. How do you do, how did you do that? You know, that's not possible, yada yada yada. But um <laughs> you get the kind of wee bit of a funny moment where he kisses her but it gets explained that it would just look like him kissing thin air. Yes. Yeah. And you kind of see the shot of the Paternoster guy going, kind of looking around, like, what what's going on here? Yeah. But um, we kind of see it's is it me or does this seem to hint that this is River from her very end? Like this almost seems to be like River from her flipping self being stored in the library, because it seems like she's kind of acting like because she says something like. You know, he says there's a say first it like time. say it like you're not coming back. She said, "Cause does he not say there? Does he not say there that there's a first time for everything, and then she goes and the last time? Or no, mm-hmm. that's whenever he takes her back to prison, mm-hmm. and then he she kisses him, and then that's the first time they've kissed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something along the lines of she says something very touching, as in you, know, she says, "If you ever really loved me." say it like you're coming back or something like that something along those lines don't you know pull me for it exactly but uh, then the doctor jumps into his own time stream which of course we all know that's going to cause a bit of issues but we see that Clara's kind of landed in this sort of like no man's land yeah sort of saying she's on the ground she's kind of shaking up you know where am I I don't know where I am and we see all these cleverly done um, you know echoes of mm. the doctor running past her 
you know, we see Eccleston, we see Baker, we see Davis, and we see Hartnell. You know, they're all there, and um, you know, she's like, you know, I can see you, all of you. You know, eleven faces. You know, the Doctor, and um, she doesn't know where she's going, and the Doctor's like, you know, you're my impossible girl. He keeps stressing the impossible girl point. You've saved me, now let me, me save for you. you. For once, let me save you. And you see her leaf and that sort of stuff. And we get the shot and we see Matt Smith there. And he's like, you know, come this way, Clara, come this way. And he grabs her. And then this is where we get the awesome dramatic moment at the end of the episode, which sets everything up for this 50th anniversary. We see both Clara and the Doctor staring past the camera at something that we cannot see at this moment in time and um she's like you know who's who's that i haven't you know i haven't, I haven't seen, seen that one i haven't that's, seen that's that nothing, one that's nothing that's nothing come on we need to yeah get out of he here. tries to brush it off yeah it's almost a case of you don't need to know about that yeah i don't want to tell you about it either. you know it's like that's the secret mm-hmm. you know this is you know it's the doctor but it isn't you know it's it's not it's him but it's not him and uh, we hear, you know, a very short but brilliant speech from, as is revealed, John Hurt. You know, that uh, what I did, you know, I did without choice. And, uh, you know, in the name of peace and that sort of stuff. And the doctor, Matt Smith, comes back with saying, yes, you did that, but not in the name of the doctor. Yeah. Which is a case of you stepped over a boundary, which points us in the direction of this is going to be some sort of incarnation of his from the time war and that's where our episode ends with you know introducing john hurt as the doctor so it has officially been written into the mythology of doctor who that john hurt is in some shape or form an incarnation of the doctor um but whatever he did he didn't do in the name of the doctor so he is not referred to as the doctor um, but recently Stephen Moffat being Stephen Moffat whether you take it with a pinch of salt or not has came out and said that it is in no way an 8.5 Doctor alright okay but Moffat has said this a million different times about things yeah. you know he said oh no 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 no, no that's not the case and then we've complete, been completely curveballed or it has in fact been that Yeah. so the only thing I can think of possibly if it's not an 8.5 Doctor is that it is in fact an older 8th Doctor which would point to us never seeing McGann again back as the 8th Doctor Mm. because what Moffat said in that interview was that you know this isn't a Doctor that is a fresh faced Doctor that we saw with the likes of Tennant and Matt Smith he says you know this is a Doctor that's been around a long long time I think that what he means by that is that he just looks very worn, you know. Like he, I, he's not. You know, the them, outfit isn't fresh, it's tattered, and, and stuff like that. Out of all of them, you know, like he would look the, the he would look the more battle scarred. Yes, out of, exactly. Out of all of them, you know. So, but we shall no doubt find out in the fiftieth anniversary, which will be fantastic, and I can't wait to see the likes of John Hurt acting alongside David Tennant and such. It's mm. right, it's just going to be brilliant. Um, but what did you? think of this episode as a whole do you think it's one of Moffat's better episodes from when he's been in control of the show you know we're going to exclude the likes of you know stuff he wrote Blink when it was RTD's show and stuff I think it's 
it's certainly one to tee up and gather interest you know like because you're talking from when this aired to November 23rd you're talking a big long timeline there mm-hmm. from just seeing the words introducing John Hurt as the doctor and then everyone just going oh my yes. what is this and then just the amount of speculation so mm-hmm. I think that's a good cliffhanger you know like so for the for the 50th and it'll be interesting to see if anything in the 50th will then cross over to the Christmas because mm-hmm. that's obviously Smith's last mm-hmm. so whether Hurt says something to, to Tennant like you, you know like your story has already you've your story's already ended, but yours, yours will end soon. Mm. You know, like and it'll happen. At like a tease or something. Yeah, like that. you know, like of high heat. It'd be an interesting twist if, for example, you know, the fiftieth solves the regeneration thing. Yeah, it could do that. John Hurt. Mmm. That the fiftieth solves the regeneration issue. And that John Hurt is some sort of reaction to the Doctor solving this issue. As in, he's a form that's came about of it. He's kind of like an outcast Mm -hmm. that's come about of it or something like that. You know, that could be an interesting trick. Or he could end up being, because the regeneration limit gets solved, like the 200th Doctor incarnation or something, which will never get to experience or get to reach. Yeah, yeah something like that because obviously John Hurt can't hang around all day to be like the 14th Doctor or the 13th Doctor or anything like that he's unfortunately not going to make it he's too old for mm-hmm. some of that yeah. but um, nonetheless we've kind of went a wee bit to the side there in that yes. aspect but no I do think this is one of the better Stephen Moffat episodes it does set up the uh, 50th special really really well and as I said I can't wait to see John Hurt uh, actually portraying some sort of incarnation of the individual we know as the Doctor. Um, Obviously, you know, we have to compare the companions. Clara. So Clara will be compared against Rose. Um, obviously, I think I think the 11th Doctor has had probably some of the better companions in, yes. in terms of, you know, like Tennant's had a couple of good ones, but Rose from it, you know, like I think Clara is a good one, but I... I prefer Amy over Clara. Amy was another very strong female character. Yeah. You know, we've talked about previously Ace being a very strong female character. Amy was extremely strong, especially in the eleventh hour when she first made an appearance. Yeah. And when she first met the Doctor again as an adult, yeah. you know, she was very, very aggressive at him, as in it's your fault the way, you know, of leaving me here and that sort of stuff. Plus they played up the fact of being a Scottish person makes you apparently aggressive. And plus the fact that they're the first married couple to be in the TARDIS as well. Yeah, this is true. This is true. And the first couple to knock boots in the TARDIS as well, <laughs> as far as we know. Um, but nonetheless, PG please, everybody. Um, down the river by yourself there. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. But um, <laughs> but no, I'm enjoying Clara as a companion. What I'm really looking forward to seeing is we've had, as has been mentioned and actually even stated in a recent interview with Colin Baker, he's, we've had these baby face doctors these young individuals to play the role and we've all seen the chemistry between a young companion and a young doctor but we're now going to see Clara progress on to 
work alongside Peter Capaldi as an older doctor, that's where I really think Clara as a companion will be defined. Yeah. Because she's going to be the one branching a lot of kids over from a lot of kids have loved Matt Smith's Doctor because of you know the sort of the bubbly, enthusiastic, you know, fun, you know, character that he is. She's going to be the one taking these kids over to an unknown Doctor and guiding them on from Matt Smith, mm-hmm. a Doctor they'll have loved. So that's going to be the tying part, and Clara's going to have her companionship uh, defined when she's with Peter Capaldi. In my opinion, I don't know about you. Um. Was it you who said that whenever reports are floating around saying that when Capaldi regenerates, he's still going to act a bit like Smith? Apparently, rumour has it that he'll still act as if he's Smith, as in very young, enthusiastic yeah. sort of thing. You know, part of that sort of semi, I've just regenerated, I'm a bit confused moment. I think that's probably to try and ease, again, the younger audience into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, as I've said, I'm quite excited by this because I think we're going to get the John Pertwee kind of doctor sophisticated older gentleman yeah I think we may get one of the more I don't know whether they'll give him like the Venusian Aikido (laughs) again that'd be a cool thing if they brought something like that back like he had some sort of defence martial arts and then just Um, but time will tell Um, but you know I'm looking forward to seeing how how he does and how he is written for because Smith is such a ball of energy yes. you know like because Tennant well, Eccleston really wasn't you know like he was very methodical and Tennant was you know like very ru- in some terms rubber faced well it's it's you know a lot of people would say t- Tennant would be you know the the teeth yes you know, um, well the whole you know modern era of Doctor Who has kind of been defined of you know the explanation for Eccleston being so serious and all as he was. Mind Eccleston did have a couple of you know smiley, happy, facey, joking yeah. moments, but the main reason for his doctor being the way he was was the coming out of the time war. Then we got to Tennant, and Tennant was who he was as a result of Rose helping him as the ninth doctor, yeah. you know, becoming a bit more open and funny and stuff. And then we get to Matt Smith, who's almost a stage on from Tennant in the jokey, crazy happiness. Because uh-huh. at the end of Tennant's era as the Doctor, he'd become almost very, very serious. Yeah. You know, he'd, he'd been very, you know, he'd changed a lot and as a Doctor I, towards I the end. I read it somewhere, or I read it somewhere, to do with, you know, like, say, Sylvester McCoy, whenever he first starts, he's trying all on the outfits, where Smith kind of tastes the food to see yes. what suits him. You know, like to say, you know, like I love an apple. He's I hate apples, and then you have the baked beans, and then you have um, the bacon, and then you have the um, then you have the fish fingers and custard. Um, so it's just seeing what goes together. So that's kind of his way mm-hmm. of instead of trying on the outfits of seeing what kind of character he, he is. You yeah, know, exactly. Um, but again, the question comes about. Um, Excluding your dislike of, you know, a reasonably a lot of, of Moffat stuff, where would you rate Moffat? I say I have Moffat on the brain now. Matt Smith, in terms of his fellow doctors, would you put him sort of on your personal opinion on the sort of level of a Sylvester McCoy sort of? Oh no, he's better. Middle? No, he's better. Upper, than that. upper be middle, upper echelon. But so you would maybe go somewhere along the lines of like uh, John Pertwee, David Tennant, 
then below that would be the likes of um, you know the Peter Davison esque ones. He'd probably be in and the then top. just below there sort of. I thing. find that with Smith stuff because some of the storylines are very convoluted. They are mm-hmm. very. You know, like you need to pay attention to every intricate detail. Look at me saying convoluted and intricate in the same bloody sentence. Um, I'm just making a point with these fancy words and going all um, weird. Um, but you know, like you have to pay attention to the storyline. And as I've said before, you know, like in the good old days, you know, like it was a case of here's five episodes, boom. You know, like it's it's straightforward. Whereas the case of Here's this episode which links into the episode three down the line, which then in turn links into episode five, which links into episode two mm-hmm. and episode four. And then it's the case of spoiler alert that you know uh, Melody Pond is actually River Song. Um, and it's a case of what? But I find that his his stuff is probably one of the ones that you have to rewatch the most. Mm-hmm. Like I find his first season is very is very good. And then towards, you know, like I enjoyed like the, you know, some of the episodes in the latter season. Um but some of the stuff like I will either have not have watched because I was just getting very a lot of the arc stuff you were yes. a big fan of. Yeah, like I mean I'll admit that the in season 7 the one to do with the dinosaurs I enjoyed because it was just it's, and it's not one that I'll, I'll even admit beforehand when I saw the title for it I was like this could be even one that I'm not going to enjoy it just sounded like this is going to be really just not good and then it did turn out to be a fantastic because episode because it was a standalone episode mm-hmm. it didn't need to if you look at the majority of Tennant stuff and the majority of um, Eccleson stuff mm-hmm. There will be slight little links, you know, like, oh, Doctor, he will knock four times. And then that carries over to the next one. Right, so you know that. You know that the Doctor's going to end. The Doctor's going to die and regenerate whenever somebody knocks four times. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of thinking about that. But it's not a case of you have to think about, you know, Rory and, you know, Amy and then this happening. I know. Perfect example, right? Yeah, I've got the perfect thing for you. You're saying about the whole knock four times thing. That's simple enough. You know, someone will knock four times and that'll lead into Tennant's doctor, you know, having to regenerate eventually. You know, we got the tease with the master banging on the drum four times and that's like, (gasps) that's it. And then, in fact, that was a curveball. Turned out to be Wilf. Whereas, in terms of Moffat's style of plot and linking, we had when there was the stuff going on with the silent and all, you had the fact that it linked back to uh, the episode where Amy was blind and there was the angels and she was talking and you heard the doctor talking to her, but in fact that was the doctor going back through the crack in time. Yes. It wasn't in fact that current doctor. So when you were originally watching that episode, you had not a clue that this was a different doctor. So it's completely different style. It's a lot deeper (laughs) and more complicated than Stephen Moffat so yes you're exactly right in that aspect but uh, nonetheless I would actually rate Matt Smith quite highly as a doctor he has grown on me more as time has gone by Um, I I remember watching him the first few times and going I'm really not going to enjoy this but then you know a few of his performances as time went on really really captured me and I really enjoyed you know even though Christmas Carol was you know, an obvious bit of a rip-off in terms of the grand scheme of things. It's still an episode that I actually really, really enjoy. And not just for the easy on the eyes, Catherine Jenkins, uh, even though that is a positive. But, no, I think 
Matt Smith will be remembered fondly by a lot of Doctor Who fans and it will be quite interesting. I think it's a very different generation of Doctor Who fans seeing Matt Smith leave than who saw Tennant leave. I think well, they've grown I, up. It's, grown, it's a case of grown up five years. But that's what I'm saying. Many. It's a new generation in the sense of there will be a lot of younger kids that came in with Smith. Uh. And then there's still the likes of everybody else that was would be older that was with Tennant. Yeah. So there's going to be a whole group of new young kids experiencing their first gen- regeneration. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, everybody else reacts to it. Um, but I think a lot of us older people, as no doubt you'll have picked up, are extremely excited for Peter Capaldi to make his appearance. I just wonder appearance. if Peter Capaldi will be able to... Live up to it? Not that be able to encapsulate the younger audience because mm-hmm. obviously the younger audience can identify with mm-hmm. Smith and Tennant yeah. because it's not a case of you know that, 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 that looks like your fun uncle rather than that yes. looks like your dad or your granddad yeah. you know, I know so, I, I agree with you so you know um, I have no doubts Capaldi is going to be a fantastic doctor he is a fantastic actor um, I'm sure he's going to do wonderful things with it but um that is the big question, is whether the kids will uh, sink their teeth into it and believe it and go along with it. Because, like you say, with Smith being so young, that was maybe a part of how um, Doctor Who expanded so well in the United States, even more so than during Tennant's period. Well, just have to make it's a mystery! It is. But uh, we have kind of rambled here, in and out of Smith discussions, but uh, nonetheless, I think we'll call it a day, because it's been some work doing these 11 episodes of it do you say so some have been harder than others yes but uh, nonetheless that has been your 11th of 11 episodes dedicated to the 11 men that have played the role of the doctor so make sure to tune in uh, again uh, probably be in the next day or two because by the time these are going up the likes of the last couple of episodes with uh, Eccleston and Tennant these will all have effectively went up back to back day to day to each other so uh, I think there'll be a one day break from this one to the new one unless like I said there's something dramatic happens between uh, now and then but uh, our next episode will indeed have us a few friends on for uh, our recording and uh, we shall discuss various different things in regards to Doctor Who and see how excited they are indeed about the 50th anniversary but that will do it I've been Alan Price he's been Chris Fint and make sure to join us for even more Doctor Who fun it's nearly over everybody don't worry we'll be going to other stuff eventually in due course here soon November will be nearly over but uh, join us for our actual 50th anniversary dedicated episode we'll see you then I'm tired I want to go to sleep Geronimo farewell farewell